Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. Uh, in today's episode, we continue a conversation between myself and my dear friend, Chris Perrin. Uh, you were introduced to Chris in the last episode. Chris is a, uh, a man from Costa Mesa, our city. He is all about the city. He has uh, been a part of church staffs before, and now he basically leads a faith community out of his tattoo shop. And uh, he's, his heart is for all people to come to know an authentic relationship with Jesus. But what I personally have learned from Chris and what I feel like his voice, how God is using his voice in this time and place, is to speak to those people who are churched folks, you know, people who are used to religion, but want to at the same time get freed from religion. <laughs> and that might be kind of weird, but if you listen to him, I'm sure that you will hear something speaking exactly to a, a false experience or a false example or false teaching that you picked up along the way. You maybe don't even know how, but it will be relatable to you. And uh, we talk about so much, cover so much ground, spiritual warfare, mental battles, spirit of religion, uh, healing, because I wanted to ask him as a follow-up to my Sunday message, what he thinks about healing. And that's what he gets into, by the way, in part two. So this is part one. And then it kind of just ends abruptly, and we pick up again in part two with this powerful testimony of someone very close to Chris uh, becoming healed. So I hope this is encouraging to you. Uh, if it's encouraging for someone else who has suffered the pressures of religion, I hope you'll share it with them. Just thank you for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast. And uh, I just really hope that you enjoy today's episode, and it can be an encouragement for you in a pure, authentic faith with Jesus kind of way. Hi. Dude, I just had a full confession with you that every now and then I may listen to a slightly unsavory, mm. not slightly, a mm. completely unsavory comedian. Mm. Is this changing the dynamic of our relationship? I'm putting um, it live right now. Well, like I was saying before, as long as on Sunday you act like you've never sinned and you wear that mask, then that's all that matters. Cool, 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 cool. I'll just be in a long line of leaders who just <laughs> two completely different people, as you're saying. Yeah. Right. No, we'll, Just know that I'm judging you as we're sharing right now. But one besides that, I love you. There's one guy out there that is judging me hardcore on Sunday mornings. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, many of you hopefully know Chris, um, uh, who have been jumping on this podcast, or, or you were introduced to him from last week. If not, you got to go back and listen to so-called part one. Uh, Chris is a local business owner. Uh, he really, and it, it, it does, it's not right to say that. Like your business is a church. Yeah, I don't know. It is. I mean, he, he owns a tattoo parlor and he's got gatherings there all the time that are very church-esque. He's a man of the city, a man for the city, a man for a move of the Holy Spirit and people getting set free. That's his heart. That's his ethos. That's kind of what he bleeds is, is people just experiencing freedom in Christ. And I've learned so much from him personally. And I love these conversations because like as much as it's for your purposes, the listener, uh, I'm fully just receiving on the receiving end here. And I know Chris feels that way too. So we're happy to have this conversation today. Something on your heart right out the gates, man. What is it? What's going well, on? Well, it's funny because I just uh, like had the opportunity to listen to the first podcast. I was just writing by myself okay. because Ben couldn't go. <laughs> yeah. 
but I was cycling and I listened to the first podcast and I was listening to myself, which I never do. I'm like, how does anybody get anything out of what I'm saying? <laughs> like half the stuff, I know what I mean when I say stuff, but I'm like, man, that would be really challenging to like, you know, get some of the stuff out of there because I know what I'm verbalizing it, but I'm verbalizing it in a way that could definitely make it like a little, a little hard to to lay out so you're you get to be like what the heck are you talking about what do you mean because some of the things that i wanted to touch on actually that i was sharing last week is there can be a split in the church where people are looking at uh being led by the holy spirit or charismatics with this fear of hey i don't want to go too far on the grace side of things and i feel like some people will lump in like hey if you're just putting your faith in jesus then you're basically saying you can go ahead and sin as much as you want. Right. But in reality, that's not at all uh, the biblical narrative, and that's not at all what I'm verbalizing. Mm-hmm. And there were some of the things I was sharing last week when I was talking about like uh, sin, and I was talking about fault, or putting your faith in Jesus. There's something that I said, I'm like, man, that could really easily be misconstrued. And I just wanted to touch on that if yeah. that's cool with yeah, you. Yeah, please. So uh, I was sharing that Jesus was saying, you know, repent and come and follow me. Or he was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I feel like a lot of the times people can look at that from the perspective of, oh, so you can just keep sinning and do whatever you want and call yourself a Christian. But in reality, what I'm saying is as we follow Jesus, as we put our faith in him and our focus is on him, not on our sin, what Jesus accomplished on the cross actually manifests in our life. Or another way of verbalizing it is Galatians 5, where it says, when we're led by the Spirit, we'll no longer gratify the desires of our flesh. And I had a girl the other day, I was sharing this whole revelation that I felt like God was speaking that day from Galatians 5, which is one of my favorite chapters. And it's kind of Paul coming against a religion, talking about the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And then it's talking about freedom grows as we serve one another in love. And I just love that such a perfect picture Mm. of what um, the good news looks like on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. We're trusting Jesus with us. We're available for the Holy Spirit to use us in the people's lives around us as our faith in Jesus is bigger than our sin and bigger than their sin. And then it's saying that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh as we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And I feel like a lot of the times in my life or just in Christians' lives, we're trying to do sin management. We're trying not to sin and then follow Jesus. And my whole point was, no, as we're putting our faith in Christ, when we're too busy focusing on Jesus— Jesus conquering sin on the cross actually manifests in our lives and how counterproductive it is. Like Paul saying at the beginning of Galatians, if we're putting our faith in a set of rules or a set of laws to try to get righteous, we're actually falling right back into that mindset of I self-righteousness. Like I can somehow try harder to not sin. And that's such a trap of the enemy because we're not functioning from the victory of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. We're actually trying to help God conquer those things that he's already conquered. And the only reason we're not walking in victory over sin is because we don't believe it. Yeah. You know, because we're putting our faith and our ability to not sin. Yeah, trying. Yeah, just try yeah. harder and, and do it on our own strength. And 
doing right versus being one flows from the other and i've seen so many people set free from addiction whether it's drug addiction alcohol addiction pornography whatever it is and in john 16 8 i love it because jesus says you know it's good i'm going to be with the father and i'm sending the holy spirit i'm sending the comforter and he's going to convict the world of sin Mm -hmm. and he says the world's sin is their unbelief in me Hmm. So if we look at unbelief as the root of sin, then it completely changes our perspective because I feel like a lot of Christians are believing God's disappointed in them and they need to perform better. And it keeps them in bondage to self where they're trying to manage sin as opposed to being led by the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. So what Jesus accomplished on the cross can actually manifest in their life. Yeah. Did I get too deep too fast? Uh I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I see it as consistent. Like no one can do rabbit trails and tangents like me. Maybe that's yes. why relationship works so well. But and I can track with your flow. But um, I think it's a, that that whole thing you just shared in the last whatever three, four or five minutes. It's, it's one thing though. It's still yeah. one thing. You're just talking about that grace versus works. Yeah. Buck, you often would say grace gone wild. Yes. And we, yes. we, we talk about that all the time. But. It, it, and, and, and both of our minds, if you just go back to the words of Paul, you'll see that he settles it once and for all. No, that doesn't mean keep on sinning. He answered yes. that question very clearly. Yeah. What I want to dial in on what you said, I love the clarifier, love your heart, and making sure people didn't get, didn't didn't take your, your original comment to one extreme or the other, though I, I don't see it. I, I was there, and I remember what you were talking about, and I love that idea about repent. I think I think repent can come across as the harsh doing message right. and, and um not the not the grace gone wild one because anyone who knows what that word repent means it means to churn so actually right. there is a there's absolute transformation <clears> but it comes from the inside out and um so i think that you're really clear on that but i feel like this would be a good a good segue yeah. into i know you want to touch on some fear subjects yeah, yeah. but i'll have the holy spirit the holy spirit i don't need to manage my own sin yeah. because the holy spirit's really good at convicting me of my yes, sin good. you know good. but I had this, you know, epiphany, revelation, whatever you want to call it, encounter with God years ago. And he showed me, he said, I want to play out your morning. I want to show you what was happening in the spirit. And I had this thing play out and I was seeing how the enemy was constantly redirecting my focus back on me Hmm. to where I'm like, oh man, I did this and I need to do that. And I was constantly, my thoughts were revolving around self, Mm -hmm. right? And that's religion. I was wanting to please God, but I wasn't, my faith, my focus wasn't on Jesus. It was on myself. And I saw the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was constantly redirecting my focus to Jesus. So the enemy will constantly redirect me to self because I'm bound by self-righteousness, trying to add to the cross, not walking in victory. And the Holy Spirit's constantly redirecting us to Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to convict us of sin and our basic sin is our unbelief in Jesus all throughout the day the Holy Spirit's like can you trust Jesus with this or can't you Mm. that's the question he's constantly asking me can you trust Jesus that's all I'm asking because when my response is I surrender I'm done trying to do this in my own strength I'm done trying to like perform yes Jesus I believe what you did on the cross was enough the Holy Spirit is like what did you just say okay there's some faith right there that you can receive something that was accomplished 2,000 years ago. We receive grace through the doors of faith. Mm. 
And so God will humble us. He's not punishing us. He'll humble us, allowing us to go through circumstance after circumstance after circumstance, not to punish us, but so we can respond to fear. We can respond to sin. We can respond to unbelief in a way that we never have before through faith in Christ. So when that situation comes up, we're actually entering into the kingdom like children, not because we finally got our crap together, but because we surrendered and we received something that we had actually been rejecting because of our unbelief. So, so unbelief is actually the root of sin. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> dude. So isn't that, I, th I assume the answer, but isn't that also the response, that entire run right there? Isn't that also the response to those who are struggling with anxiety? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, I was tracking with you because I'm thinking about that question. I told you about a, a dear friend who I know and love. And I had a phone call this morning talking about how this entire lockdown has uh, caused a flare-up in his anxiety. And, yeah. and I wanted to tee that up. And I just, as I'm listening to you, think about the inward journey to, to self and to me focus and how the enemy could use that and how, conversely, on the other side, can I trust Jesus with this? Can I right. put my attention over here to him? Uh, would you say that's the same answer for someone who's struggling with anxiety? Yeah, the I would same practice the same rhythm. Yes, absolutely. Because in Hebrews 11, if it's impossible to, and I say this to people all the time, I'm like, what's your objective? Is your objective to stop drinking, to stop smoking crack, to stop watching porn? Like, what's your objective? Right. And they're like, yeah. And I'm all, well, we've been saved from hell that we deserve to please God, to glorify God. So if your objective changes from sin management to glorifying God, and Hebrews 11 says it's impossible to please God apart from faith, that makes it really simple. Every thought is an opportunity to please God as you're choosing to put your faith in his son. Back to John 6, what's the work of God? Jesus says the work of God is to put your faith in the one that he sent. Mm -hmm. Why? Because as we're putting our faith in Jesus, we're no longer agreeing with the lies of the enemy. We're agreeing with the truth of the Holy Spirit. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let me stop you right there. Okay? <laughs> Let me stop you right there because I love that word. You use that word all the time. It's very important. What do you mean when you say agreements? So the, back to the second Corinthians thing we were talking about last time, taking our thoughts captive into the obedience of God. Okay. So for me, I was sharing last week, the Holy Spirit said to truly be led by me looks like trusting Jesus one thought at a time. Mm. And I tell people all the time and they're like, well, so you're saying you can just trust Jesus and do whatever you want. And I'm like, no, walking in faith is a full time job. That's why Paul, throughout the whole New Testament, our fight isn't to not sin. Our fight is to stay in faith. Or I'll hear people say, you know, well, that you got to look out for the enemy. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the next scripture is saying, so stand in faith. Yeah. So the enemy can only devour us by us coming into unbelief and choosing to live and look out for ourselves. Hmm. The enemy is not going to devour us by, oh, he's going to like do this and that, and he's going to change my circumstances and this and that. He may, but the point that they're making, the point that he's making in that chapter is we get to stand in faith to where we're not falling victim to living for self. We're fighting to stay in faith so we can live for the glory of God as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, unless you lose your life, you won't find life. And there's a lot of people that with the whole coronavirus thing that's coming up right now, one of the things God woke me up the other day and I felt like he was saying, this isn't about people are afraid of getting sick. People are afraid of dying. So this is highlighting an area where people don't trust me with their lives. 
And in reality, even a lot of Christians aren't actually alive because of their unbelief because hmm. they're still looking out and they're still living for self. Right. And in Genesis two seventeen, God told them, if you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. They didn't physically die, but spiritually they died because there was a disconnect between humanity and the spirit of God. And right. Jesus paid the price for us to be unified with the Holy Spirit so we can be led by loving God and loving other people that only comes through faith in Christ. Yeah. I know that was a mouthful. Sorry. No, only the Genesis part, which I want to come back to because I know you want to do more explaining and more talking on the on the fruit and what in that distance that that creates. Okay. And, and, and that's really good. So agreements. I want to go back to agreements, and then we're gonna we have to go all the way back to the heart of this unbelief, <laughs> yeah, right. this unbelief part. You started all the way earlier as unbelief as the sin as the primary sin. Yes. Which is that's also a tie-in for Genesis because they didn't believe God. They didn't believe God's promise. So they the root of sin yeah. was believing the enemy over God. That's right. Okay. That's where the fall right of man happened. They made yes. a deal as the snake approached them. They made an, a deal. That's the language I would use. Yes. They made an agreement with him. Uh, over and against in that moment, in that decision, that thought, that decision, that act, yes. um, over and against the, the agreements they had previously made with God. Yeah. So, okay, so here's what I, tell, tell me if this plays out, because I love talking about um, covenant, mm-hmm. uh, biblical covenant, and oftentimes I'll translate that into modern day language, uh, like um, contracts, agreements, or deals. Right. And I'll use like, what's the most world example that everyone lives in every day, right? Is it with their insurance companies, with their phone companies, with their, with their family members, when they take a loan, whatever, you're making a deal, you're making an agreement, you're making a covenant. Yeah. It's a, it's a mutual relational contract, right? And so that's when you say agreements and I've heard other people, um, you know, spiritual people that I know and love and trust use that word. It's newer word. You know, it's a newer word to me, the tradition I'm coming from. Yeah. But that's how I've always translated it in my head is to say, oh, and this go full circle back to your point about thought life. When I get down that road of thinking about me, my, I, what I, what I want or deserve right now over and against my marriage, what I want and deserve right now over and against serving my kids today or this morning or this evening, um, you know, is X, Y, Z. I'm making this agreement with myself, with flesh, with sin, with the enemy that says, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's right. And if it's a self-feeding cycle, right? Like it just right. builds on itself. When I take hold of that thought, which is that tasty treat, just like the snake in the garden of the fruit, like I just eat that and then I, and then I'm, I can, I can stumble off down that road and, and it just becomes this like cyst, right? This right. Just growing thing. And it started with that minute over minute thought. Right. I made agreement with it. I made a deal with it and it became worse. Yeah. What you're saying now, now pivot from that is that we want to make agreements with what Christ says about me, what he's done you know, in me, his spirit in me. This last Sunday, I preached out of Romans eight, not the classic part, but the, but the other portion where Paul is talking about, um, in Romans eight, he's talking about really being heirs, being children and having the same spirit, having the spirit, our spirit aligns with God's spirit in our prayer. Right. It's amazing. So that's an agreement. Yeah. It's 100% agreement and it does stem from the knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because when people basically, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they made a covenant or they made an agreement with the enemy where the, the, the orphan spirit, I love how you brought it back to Romans eight, the orphan spirit found agreement, Mm. you know, and a lot of the times if we're so focused on our sin and sin management, like we were talking about before, we're missing the heart of the matter. It's not about what we're doing. It's about why we're doing what we're doing. That's why, you know, where 
Jesus is like, some are going to come to me and say, like, I cast out demons. I did all of these things in your name. He's like, but I never knew you. Mm. You were using my name. We can use Jesus's name to perform miracles, see people healed, get demons cast out, all that stuff. But that's not what God's after. God's after our heart. And he's after breaking those agreements that have been made with the enemy that are separating us from the intimacy with God. Wow. You know, so it is a thought per thought, moment per moment. And it's so incredibly sneaky because we've been taught or it's just our human nature to lean on our understanding. And like I shared last week in Romans 8, in the Amplified, it says that the mind of the flesh is human reasoning without the Holy Spirit. So it's actually our pride, us leaning on our understanding that's preventing us at any moment in time from entering into the kingdom mindset. And the kingdom mindset is, hey, I'm not eating of the knowledge of good and evil anymore. I'm trusting in Jesus, so I'm free to be led by God. I'm free to be led by the Holy Spirit like Jesus was where he says in you know John 5, 19, I only do what I see the Father doing because it's only what God's doing is what love looks like. God is love. Right. But we try to put love in a box and we're saying, okay, this is good and this is bad. So this is what I, this is what God expects from me. And God's like, no, I want the intimacy. I want you to trust in me. So right in this moment, you can enter into my presence through faith in my son, which is where you're righteous through your faith in my son. And you're getting washed off so you can enter into the Holy of Holies that you never had access to before because you could never perform well enough to enter into this place. And you have access. We can boldly enter in. Hebrews 10, we can boldly enter in to where we're having that intimacy and we can be led by love. We we are functioning from a place of what God is doing and what he is saying just like Jesus. Mm, So good. Love that. So... Just to really punctuate it, talk to me about this picture that you had. I love you talking about minute over minute, uh, one thought at a time. That it might even be an episode title right there. So good. Um, but give us this picture of you know what I call, or maybe you call it this, prodigal thoughts. Okay. Yeah. You remember that word, that picture you had about the prodigal son and how that was really about Oh life? yes, yeah. yeah Did I share life. that last time or no? no I don't okay. Think. Did you? You listened to it? Did you? No, we I can didn't. Go back to it. We can just refer. No, I, I don't didn't. Think you did. I don't okay. think so. Yeah. So, uh, I was, this was actually not that long ago. I was in church, like a good Christian (laughs) and I, I was hanging out there and we were just worshiping and stuff. And, uh, I was sitting there and I heard the Holy Spirit say the most convicting thing ever, which he has no problem. Like, you know, like calling stuff out. And I heard him say, he said, can you think of anywhere in the Acts church where people were actually going out to get something for themselves. Mm. And I'm not saying it doesn't, it's not there because I'm sure there's a few places, but I just had this general picture of the Acts church from Pentecost on. And I was like, oh my gosh, like everything the Acts church did from the Pentecost on, once they encountered the Holy Spirit, everything they did was motivated by what they could give even if it cost them their lives doing it. And it did. It cost them. So many of them got martyred. But they tapped into this supernatural resource that's available to us where we're not going out to try to get more of God we're actually going out everywhere we're going to get everywhere we're going we're going on an assignment yeah. we're inviting people to Christ right. and i felt like god was asking me is like why so what's the difference between the modern day christianity mm-hmm. and the acts church 
And my conclusion was, I'm like, God, because they really believed that Jesus was enough. Mm. Back then, they really believed Ephesians 1, 3, that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ and that he really was enough. But I think because religions kind of come back in there to where we're, we've been taught or we've just naturally believe, okay, I can now that I'm a Christian, I can trust Jesus one day I'm going to go to heaven, but I need to continue to learn more and I need to continue to go to church. I need to go to conferences. And I was seeing this as the Holy Spirit was asking me this question. All these people are going to conferences. All these people are doing these things, but their true motivation is to get more of God. Mm because they believe, okay, the reason God's not using me more is because I haven't arrived yet. And that's one of the greatest lies of the enemy. Because if we're still trying to help God help us, or we're still trying to get more of God for ourselves, believing at one point God's going to use us, we're basically saying what Jesus did wasn't enough. And we're functioning, we're living for ourselves, but we're justifying it in a godly way where the Holy Spirit's saying no. Mm-hmm. Can you trust Jesus with you? And I love what you were just talking about with Paul in Romans 7 and 8. He's like, man, or Galatians 2. He's like, hey, am I perfect yet? No, but I'm not going to fall back into religion trying to help God help me by following a bunch of rules. I'm going to continue to abide in Christ instead of rebuilding that old barn, as it says in the message version, because the life you see me living now is lived by faith in the Son of God. You know, Or Galatians, it says, are we perfect? No, but instead of me falling back into religion, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to complete the Christ work that he did in me. Yeah. We're waiting for that fullness of righteousness, of that fullness of salvation to manifest in my life, not as I'm focusing on doing more for God, but as I my faith is soundly on Christ. I know the Holy Spirit's making me Christ-like, and that's what Romans 8 says. Yeah. You know, so that is a great segue for um, one of the things I love to do on here is review the Sunday message. And so I I got the chance to preach Sunday and and I know you haven't listened to it. That's okay. The topic was healing. And I was preaching out of Acts uh, three where Peter, you know, is a part of healing the lame man. But one of the illustrations I used, I want to talk about this idea that you keep hitting on so well about unbelief. You know, mm. and I love it. It, it never ceases to move me. The story, I believe it's Matthew eight of the faith of the Roman centurion. right? Mm. And just um, not my quote, but someone else talks about how Jesus uh, is Christine Kane. I think talks about how Jesus only marveled in two places in the entire, you know, yeah. a, a account of his life. And that's one of them. Yeah. Where he just marveled. And then the, the woman that's like, believe. hey, even the dogs can like, you know, like have their crumbs. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And all this faith coming from the Gentiles, coming from the quote unquote pagan world. Yeah. And he said, that's what Jesus says. He says, nowhere in Israel <clears> have I seen this kind of belief. Yeah. That all I have to do is say the word remote and his servant will be healed. And he marvels. I love that. It inspires me, lifts me up, picks me up. And, um, but I want, I want to hear kind of from you a little bit more on this idea, um, that if, and it ties in everything we've been talking about earlier, childlike faith come to Mm. me as a child, one out of dependence, one out of expectation, one, a childlike minute over minute dependence on the father. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's who I was preaching to in a lot of ways. Sunday Mm. was because the context of healing. So we can go there. I want to go there. I want, I want to see the mix, the blend of belief and healing. Yeah. And you can jump in anywhere in that. But 
the, the, the point that I wanted to talk to was people like me at my local church who were raised in a tradition where it was just never talked about. Yeah. The idea of a, a faith that could move mountains or yeah. faith of a mustard seed or the faith of the Roman centurion that was like just remote. Here we go. Jesus, all, all Jesus has to do is speak it. That expectation of that man in that moment right. floors me every time. Yeah. I and feel I like just, it's. I wasn't a, trained that way. I didn't have that. That was not my tradition. That was not the lesson I sat under. Yeah. And so, talk to me about. Give me your review, even if you didn't sit in the message. Talk to me about belief. Talk to me about healing, ministry right. of healing. Well, that how that's available to. That's what I wanted to say to people. Hey, you Christians were maybe like me, and you weren't. You're not used to that background. Right. You don't know what to believe about healing today. Well, remind me to get back to the prodigal son question you okay. asked me. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to share like what you were just saying right now. What was coming to mind is where basically the disciples are asking Jesus. I think a lot of it is like a, not a misrepresentation, but it's just, we look at faith in such a weird way, yeah. you know? And so I can relate so much with the disciples who are like, Hey, what do we like? Uh, how do we need more faith? Like, and they were basically saying, Jesus, you're doing some really cool stuff. We need more faith to, we like all this attention that do you're getting. Yes, I really believe that's the heart of them. And okay. I feel like the, a lot of the church is like, okay, we need more faith because we want to do more stuff for God. And I love Jesus's responses. He shares this parable and he's like, okay, so there's this servant. And when the servant comes in from working, he prepares for the, the food for the master. And then if there's time, he goes and eats in the, the back room. He doesn't come in and eat and do whatever he wants. And then if there's time, serve the master. Well, why was their, their question was, God, we need more faith. Will you give us more faith? And his response is about the servant. Because what God was actually saying is, you guys don't understand faith. You've been given enough faith. And that's what it says in Romans, Romans 12. We've all been given a measure of faith. And if we're trying to use our faith to get more from God, we don't understand what faith is for. He's saying, you've been given enough faith to glorify God. You've been given enough faith to serve God. But if you're looking at faith from the perspective of like, I want to use my faith to move mountains, then we're not walking in intimacy with why we've been given faith. We've been given faith to serve God by doing his will. And then when the enemy is coming against God's will being done and we're expressing that faith, it will move mountains. So God was actually addressing their heart issue. And back to the prodigal son thing, when God was showing me, it's unbelief. Like if people really trusted in Jesus, Jesus, I think I shared this last time, where Jesus came to the woman at the well, he said, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And how many Christians out there are actually walking from a place of contentment and fullness? Well, is it because Jesus is a liar? No, it's because our mind moment to moment, back to your question, second to second, comes off of faith in Jesus back onto the world again. And we start thinking, oh, well, if I watch this movie, it'll satisfy me. If I get together with this girl, if I drink, if I do this and that, we're not functioning from a place of being satisfied because of our unbelief. Our mind is coming off of Jesus, the only thing that can satisfy us, because through faith in Jesus, we're entering into the kingdom. Romans 14, what's the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In God's presence, there's the fullness of joy. So joy is available to us, but it comes at the cost of losing ourselves to find ourselves. Mm. And right after God gave that, you know, ask me that question about, okay, what's the difference between the modern day church and the old church? And I was like, man, everywhere they were going, they were going with something right. to give. Right. He gave me this picture of the prodigal son. And he said, 
you have a tendency of looking at stories from the Bible. And I love this perspective of God because it completely changes the way that I read the Bible. Mm -hmm. There's multiple things he's shown me that's completely changed the way that I read, read the Bible to where I wanted to read it before because I felt obligated to now I can't get enough of it, you know? And so one of the things he said is you look at the prodigal son as rebellious seasons in your life to where like I was a stupid teenager and I was like, you know, screw authority and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Right. And he said, but I want to show you how I look at the prodigal son. So Jesus said in John 14, I am the way. So the presence of the father is our destination. And I think I shared last time, if we're putting our faith in something that's going to happen in the future, then we're putting our faith in the future and we're not functioning from our destination, which is the presence of the father Ephesians two were seated in the heavenlies. Right. And so he was saying, I look at the prodigal son is all of the moments second by second throughout the day that you entertain thoughts of what you can get from the world instead of spending time with me. Hmm. And I was like, wow. (laughs) So the prodigal son isn't a rebellious time in our life. The prodigal son is the rebellious moments throughout the day where we're not allowing Jesus to satisfy us because we still believe there's something there that's for us in the world. Hmm. Or we still believe that God's holding out on us and we need to help God help us and then one day he'll use us more. That's the root of unbelief. Hmm. That's so good. And I love you using that word satisfaction. Um it, this is the second time I've heard that story about the prodigal son. It's like even more clear now because that was his heart. That was his, you know, Mike Erie, one of my favorite pastors would always say that that's the, that's part of the purpose of, of the Christian life and walk is just the status and orientation of the heart. That's what Jesus right. is after. He's just, he's not after the stuff or the end point right. or the outcomes or the, or the doing of ministry volume. No, he's after the status and orientation of the heart. Yes. And the way you just said that, the way God gave you that picture um, is exactly a description of the prodigal son's heart. That was, yeah. he, before ever he approached his, his daddy and said, hey, can I have my cash out now so I can go and join the world? He had been doing some thought life entertainment of what he can get from the world. Yeah. And you said it so cleanly there and so clearly there about entertaining what I can get from the world. That's that story. That's a beautiful right. sum of that story.